Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Well Woman Podcast. I am Sam, and I'm with Dr. Laura, Ms. Naturopathic Doctor, and we are talking about a huge topic that a lot of women can relate to, and that today is going to be birth control. So, for one, I've been on birth control since I was 15, and I feel like myself, as well as many other women, don't know enough about it. I think it's crazy to think that so many women are taking hormonal contraceptives in some shape or form but have no idea of the side effects that they can have on our bodies so miss laura let's talk about this what are some different types of hormonal birth control and how are they working on our bodies yeah so i think it's really it's an important topic because ocps or the oral contraceptive pill is the most uh, common form of contraceptive today and a lot of women don't really know enough about it and when you think about it it's pretty interesting to think that Something like the oral contraceptive pill is literally known as the pill. And when you say the pill, you know exactly what everyone's talking about. So <laughs> for something to be as common to, to be known as the pill, and we don't know enough about it, it's pretty crazy. So I'm briefly just going to go through the different types and how they work so that you kind of understand the mechanism of action of most birth control. So we start with oral contraceptives, which again is the pill. Um, So we have combination, which is estrogen and progesterone, and we have progestin only kind. So those are basically the two most common uh, kinds of oral contraceptives. Mm -hmm. And so the combination is basically um, depends on which brand you're getting, but you're usually getting estrogen plus progesterone, and these are in in synthetic forms. And so you're taking these for 21 to 24 days, and then you're taking a placebo pill for about four to seven days, depending on what brand you have and sometimes you can actually not take anything at all and then you get a withdrawal bleed which happens during these placebo pills and then you kind of do it all over Uh and in some their placebo pill has a little bit of vitamins it might have folic acid or something like that in others it actually does still contain a little bit of hormone so in some pills you might not get a period at all or a withdrawal bleed i'm not going to call it a period um and so the doses of estrogen and progesterone really it depends on what brand you get but all of them have a similar efficacy so pregnancy rate is about 0.3 percent with perfect use but it's actually up to 9% with typical use. And I think a lot of people don't actually realize that because there are a lot of factors that can um, inhibit absorption of the pill or it can actually increase its metabolism and and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I know when I was on the pill, I was terrible at taking it myself. (laughs) Yeah. Percentage was higher than nine on a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like typical use too, right? Mm -hmm. So forgetting to take it and et cetera, et cetera. And so the other kind is progestin only. And again, this is a synthetic form of progesterone. And so again, has having to be taken at the same time each day. Um, Sometimes there are no inactive pills in a progestin only. Um, And usually these are given to women where estrogen is contraindicated. So we'll kind of get into contraindications a little bit later, but that's kind of the basics of that. Then we have deeper Provera. So I don't know if you've heard of that, but that's also known as the shot. And Uh this is progesterone only. And you would go every 12 weeks and you'd basically get an injection. And then. Sounds fun. I actually had a friend uh, who just went off of that because she was having some really negative side effects, but. Oh yeah. That later. Yeah. It's awful. Um, and Depo Provera in particular is one of the ones I, I like the least because of the side effects and actually because of the risks, um, specifically with that one. But yeah, let's get into that later. Cause I want to go through a whole slew of, of negatives that people should be aware of. Uh-huh. Um, another one is, uh, transdermal, but also known as the patch. So again, estrogen and progesterone, kind of like the pill, you basically do it for, um, three weeks the patch is used and then one week it's one week it's removed and you get a, a period so it's kind of the same as you would do with the pill where you're three weeks taking hormones one week not and then you go back on the thing to highlight about the patch though is that it actually is ineffective in women who weigh over 200 pounds so wow. it has to be absorbed and it's not absorbed properly because it is something on your skin right it has to be able to be properly and evenly absorbed. Um, mm-hmm. So that is a risk too. So if someone's overweight, this wouldn't be an effective method for them. Wow, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. And then the last one I want to talk about is the vaginal ring, also known as the Nuva ring. Um, I've personally been on that before. And I'm on it currently. 
Oh, I found, um, <laughs> I, I think from the research and from personal worst form of birth control that I had ever been on. Um, and with respect to side effects, it's a little bit higher mm. on, on that scale, but basically, so, you know, it's kind of a flexible, it's almost like made of rubber, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, you insert it, it has the same hormones and again, same as the patch, same as the pill. It's like three weeks on one week off and you have a withdrawal bleed. Mm -hmm. So from a contraceptive standpoint, it is the same as any other hormonal birth control. So there's not really a risk of pregnancy per se in any of these. Um, so that's really good. And so that's kind of just what they are and then how they work. If you're looking at something like progestin only, so basically that's progestin only pills or the Depo Provera mm -hmm. shot, they primarily work by thickening the cervical mucus. So they prevent sperm from passing through the cervical canal to fertilize an egg. And in some instances, they can actually also suppress ovulation and that actually helps as well. And then if we look at other most hormonal contraceptives like the IUD, the ring, the patch, whatever mm -hmm. else, these indirectly work by inhibiting the release of pituitary hormones from the brain. So we're again, preventing ovulation, preventing us from releasing an egg so it can't be fertilized. And that's kind of the basics and really the quick overview. The one I didn't mention was the IUD. And the reason being is it, it works the exact same as the other combination hormonal contraceptives. Uh -huh. So same thing. It's a steady flow of hormones like, and kind of preventing ovulation. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. So mm -hmm. what are some side effects that I can expect being on a hormonal birth control? As you know, I'm on Nuvering. I know you're not a fan. Yeah. Um, but what, what's something I can expect to, to feel when I'm on a hormonal birth control? Yeah. So there's, there's basically common side effects and, um, some people may attribute this to just, I mean, different types times in their cycle, or, or they may attribute it to something else completely, but, um, some minor side effects can be nausea. You can have abdominal distress, headaches, depression, weight gain, bloating or swelling, that kind of water retention, um, hormonal birth control can cause acne, reduced libido. I know a lot of women that come and see me complain of a reduced sex drive when they're on the pill. Mm -hmm. They complain of vaginal dryness. Um, they could have breast tenderness. You could actually lose your period completely or spot. And especially with the progesterone only ones, a major side effect is breakthrough bleeding or spotting throughout your cycle. And it's interesting to note that, a, like I mentioned before, a period is um, on the birth control pill, a period is not a period. It is a pill bleed. It is a progesterone withdrawal bleed. Oh. And so when I look at your period, your period is actually like a vital sign. So this is one of the core factors that I look at to assess how someone's overall health is looking. Mm -hmm. And so when you're on the pill or you're on hormones, it really doesn't give me any idea into what's actually going on. Because if you think about it, you're taking synthetic hormones and then you're taking away the synthetic hormones and you're bleeding and then you're doing it all over. So it really doesn't tell me how your body's working in any sort of way. Yeah. Well, what I think is crazy is that I've been on birth control for, you know, over 10 years now and I don't even know what is normal for me anymore. You know, yeah. a lot of women probably have no idea. Like you were saying, all these uh, side effects that we're seeing, like headache, depression, nausea. Like, what am I like without my birth control, you know? I know. It's and scary. and see, that's the, that's the thing, though. And so for me, personally, I've been through kind of my own story when it comes to birth control. And <clears throat> I was on uh, the, the pill for years and years and years. I was put on initially because... I had acne at 13 and my doctor was like, okay, here's, here's the pill. And I really didn't look back. And so I was on different types of birth control pills and different doses. And, and I just felt like crap all the time. And so, um, recently, uh, well, not recently, but the most recent time I was on the pill, I was in university mm -hmm. and I just one day I just threw it out in the garbage. I was like, I can't feel like crap anymore. I'm sick of feeling <laughs> bloated and moody and I just couldn't do it anymore. So I went off of it um, completely and I just decided I wasn't going to go back on. And, and that was kind of it for me, but I think you don't really realize you and you're not really, we're, we're not really taught to be in very in tune with our bodies. We're just taught mm -hmm. that you take this pill every month and your body's just going to kind of figure it out and, that's just how it is. And we're not taught to understand how our body works. We're just taught mm -hmm. 
take things and like everything's if you have period cramps oh well it's common if you have this mm-hmm. oh well it's common and with depo provera the reason um the shot i take such umbrage with the shot in general is because so a major side effect again is spotting and that's kind of across the board um a loss of a period altogether which really i, I don't really care because it wasn't a real period anyways um <laughs> but the, the problem i have with depo provera is that it's actually been associated with bone loss. So the, a big black label warning on Depo Provera is the decreasing in bone density, especially in adolescents. And so when you pair that with the fact that women reach their peak bone mass density at quite a young age, if we're mm-hmm. already reducing that in adolescence, then we are setting these women up for fractures later in life, which is pretty scary. Yeah, that's terrifying. It's it's pretty scary that, you know, I don't even know what my body's like without these pills. So is there anybody who should absolutely not be taking hormonal birth control? Yeah. And so um, birth control, and really, you can actually find this information on any of these monographs, any it's it's very readily available mm-hmm. in all the pamphlets. Um, but really, doctors don't, a lot of doctors don't take the time to kind of go through that with people. It's kind of just here's your diagnosis or here's, sorry, here's your prescription, go fill it kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so contraindicated completely is anyone who has risks of blood clots. So anybody who has um, thromboembolic diseases, so anything that increases your risk of blood clots, um, anyone with high blood pressure, anyone with high cholesterol, um, it is contraindicated. And so one study actually looked at clot risk in di- two different types of birth control. And this is actually where I'm talking about the NuvaRing in particular. And so I just wanted to highlight <laughs> this. They, they looked at the person taking combined vaginal contraceptive, so that's the NuvaRing, versus the combined oral contraceptive. And they found higher levels of von Willebrand factor, which is important in our clotting, in women who were on the vaginal contraceptive. So it actually has been shown to have a higher clot risk in the NuvaRing yeah. than the pill. Oh, no. Um, other people who should stay away from the pill, smokers, especially over the age of 35, um, anybody who has a history of breast cancer, and also migraines with an aura. And so they actually found that the joint effect of combined hormonal contraceptives with people who suffer from migraines with an aura increased the risk of ischemic stroke by sixfold. Wow. Another study showed a two to fourfold increase of stroke risk among women with migraines um, who used combined um, hormonal contraceptives versus non, uh, non-users. So that wasn't with just with an aura. That was just migraines in general. So in my opinion, I would say if you suffer from migraines, I wouldn't even risk it. Mm-hmm. Well, but I do suffer from migraines. So is that a side effect of my birth control pill? Like how, exactly. how do I even know, right? Like. Exactly. And you've been on it for so long that it's like, how would you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and so that's where the, the fine line is kind of drawn in the sand. And so I th- found it really interesting looking at all of these contraindications. And so they did a study and they found that there was actually a high rate of people using hormonal contraceptives who had a major contraindication to their use. So in this study, they found 39.2% of users who were on hormones actually had a, a straight up contraindication to using it. So what, that, so what does that mean really? It means that doctors aren't asking these questions when they're prescribing the birth control pill. They're not, they're obviously not going through all of the things that would, would make this a contraindication that would make this not a, a prescription that they would write. Interesting. So they're just giving it. And so they concluded in this study, and I actually thought this was pretty wild, but they concluded Although combined hormonal contraceptive use has consistently been associated with an increased relative risk of venous thromboembolism, so clots, blood clots, the overall absolute risk remains low, especially compared to the risk with pregnancy. So (laughs) this is an interesting thing because they're saying, so it is true that when you get pregnant, you do have an increased risk of getting clots. That's very true. Your Mm -hmm. clotting factors go up when you get pregnant and that's just part of pregnancy. However, they're comparing the fact, you just told me that you were on birth control for 10 years plus. 
Mm-hmm. I was, I was on birth control for 10 years plus. And so if we're really looking at that clot risk mm-hmm. with respect to being on hormonal contraceptives or being pregnant, how long are you pregnant for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how yeah. long are you on birth control for? Mm-hmm. So to me, that's not a very good comparison to look at pregnancy risk of clotting, which is for a by the way, mm-hmm. versus increasing your risk of clotting relatively by being on oral contraceptives every single day for your whole life for 10 years or whatever the case may be. So I found that really interesting. <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty scary. Um, why are we not being told these side effects by our, our doctors when we're getting these prescriptions? What are, like, why have we not heard of these things before? I literally don't know. <laughs> I don't. And it's it's really... It's, and I actually find that there's such a big push towards the birth control pill. And I even find this with myself, who I am 28 years old, and I'm a married individual, and I go to the doctor, and they tell me, are you on birth control? When I say no, they say, so are you trying to get pregnant? And I've, mm-hmm. had, and I've had this conversation with actually a lot of my patients who feel the same way. They feel like there's almost this judgment on them that if they're not taking hormones, they must be trying to get pregnant. Even if, mm-hmm. they, if they want to or they don't want to, it, it, it's really irrelevant. But it's almost this judgment that's put on you. And I think this is really where we're at. It's like a lot of people genuinely feel if they aren't taking the pill, they are getting pregnant. Mm. Yeah. Well, and that's the, like, at least when I started taking the pill when I was a teenager, that was my biggest fear, you know, pregnancy. Yeah. And now that I'm, you know, over the age of 25. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it's kind of, it's my priorities have changed. It wouldn't be the end of the world. It's not that I want to be pregnant right now, but, you know, maybe we should be moving towards getting off the birth control pill when it's not as big of a, you know, a worry for us to be pregnant, perhaps, you know, this could be something that could be debated, but um, what other, what other hormones does the pill impact? What should we be seeing there? Yeah. So it's really interesting because um, the oral contraceptive pill, obviously, I've mentioned that there's synthetic hormones. So we have estrogen and progesterone. And Mm -hmm. so the birth control pill actually has these synthetic hormones and they've actually been found to bind to the same receptors that our androgens bind to. So that's like our testosterone, our male hormones that we need. And Mm -hmm. so when we bind those receptors that actually can reduce the the effect that our testosterone that we we genuinely need can have. Um, Mm -hmm. And on top of that, the birth control pill can actually decrease our free and total testosterone levels. And so I mentioned the pill reducing our libido. Well, mm-hmm. that's a huge, testosterone plays a huge role in increasing our sex drive and maintaining our sex drive. It also plays a huge role in bone, in lean muscle mass, in energy and well-being. So mm-hmm. as much as we think of testosterone as a male hormone, yeah, it's really important in, in women. And so On top of that, there is a hormone called sex hormone binding globulin. And so this is basically a hormone that kind of floats around. It attaches to mainly estrogen and testosterone in our blood. And so what it does is it keeps our hormones not available to use. And so that's a good thing when we're trying to modulate all the hormones in our body and making sure we're not having too much and too little and that sort of thing. It basically releases our hormones when we need them from its grip. And so with the oral contraceptive pill, not only has it been shown to reduce testosterone levels, but also increase sex hormone binding globulin. And what that means is we're going to hold a lot more of those hormones hostage. So Mm -hmm. as a result, when you look at it in the big picture, we have less testosterone and we're holding more of it. So that means we can use a lot less of it. And, and when I mentioned, sorry, when I mentioned the oral contraceptive pill, I mean any hormonal birth control. I'm not just talking mm-hmm. about the pill exclusively. And yeah. the other thing that it can do is actually increase our cortisol levels. So cortisol is our, is our stress hormone. And mm-hmm. so this is going to be increased when we use the birth control pill, but also when we're stressed. So the cortisol can have many um, impacts on our body. And so too much cortisol can increase inflammation. It increases our flight or fight response. So we're not able to rest and digest. So it's going to impact that function. Um, It induces the breakdown of muscle. It increases um, the blood sugar levels because basically when we're in a stressful situation and we're in that fight or flight, we're ready to run. And our body basically breaks down all our resources to let us get ready to go. 
and mm-hmm. it increases our blood pressure. And so when we look at it from another standpoint, um, our stress response is regulated with what's called our HPA axis. So this is our hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. And what this is, is it basically tightly regulates the body's action so that we're able to respond to stressful situations and then return back to our normal state. So this is our like running from a bear, fight or flight, like we're stressed, then we're fine. This is our HPA axis. And so the birth control pill has also been shown to disrupt that HPA axis. And so disruption of this system can lead to um, mood disorders. And this is where we see this like anxiety and depression type of picture. Mm. Um, And it's actually linked this HPA axis dysfunction is actually strongly implicated in the pathology of major depressive disorder. Wow. And so the last things I wanted to mention, and this is really actually relevant to um, if someone who has PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome, the root cause of PCOS, for those who do not know, is basically an insulin dysregulation. So basically our blood sugar is off. And so that's actually the genetic kind of root cause to this syndrome. And the birth control pill has actually been shown to decrease our insulin sensitivity. And so what that means is when our insulin sensitivity is decreased, we end up having what's called insulin resistance. And this is the same type type of picture we see in diabetics. Interesting. So people with PCOS are given the birth control pill as a fix when really it's just worsening the root cause. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. There's so many side effects. I had no idea about any of these. And honestly, I once had a birth control pill that I was taking and I can truly say that it made my mood like insane. (laughs) Like I went from a normal person where I would be sitting there smiling and laughing to full blown in tears within minutes and and like no rhyme or reason. And I remember once lying in bed and just thinking like about to cry for some reason, thinking I really need to get a different pill. Like this one's really not working for me rather than thinking, Oh, maybe I should get, get off the pill. Yeah. I, I, my first thought was I need a different pill because this one has too many hormones or whatnot. Yeah. So what other, um, research do we do we know about the pill yeah and so with that we're again we're trained to to believe we should just be on the pill and so there's really no other option like than being on the pill like that's what that's our that's what we should do right so that's Mm -hmm. why you think automatically oh well maybe i should just get a different pill i'll get the i'll get the synthetic hormones that are right for me (laughs) well and and the sad thing too is that there's really not many options for other than using condoms which to be honest with you you know is not everyone's favorite thing to do yeah uh, there's really not too many more options for having safe sex or at least pregnancy free sex so and there's definitely a double standard there in my opinion as well that you know the woman's supposed to protect herself and the man is able to do what he wants right yeah so maybe one day we'll have a pill for the man to take. Well, did you know we're that, getting closer to <laughs> did, did you know that they, they came out with a male birth control and mm-hmm. they, they piloted it on some men and the men stopped taking it because the side effects were too bad. <laughs> no, man colds, <laughs> man colds everywhere. And, oh, and the thing is, and again, I think we're missing this, this key education piece with the fact that there is a lot of ways and condom free at that, if you're obviously, obviously looking at it from a not an STI type of perspective, but just looking at from a pregnancy prevention type of perspective, there is a lot of ways that you can actually understand and and monitor your body. And it's really, really easy to not get pregnant. It really Mm -hmm. is. There are only a few days in the month that you actually can get pregnant. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. And a lot of people don't know enough. The amount of times I have conversations with people just teaching them on how to properly track their cycle and understand when they ovulate, if they ovulate, what ovulation is and, and what that means with respect to getting pregnant. I think it is a huge, huge like gap in the, in the education that we receive. So I'd be really interested in learning that as well. And I, I think there's, I'm sure you probably know there's apps that track it for you. Mm-hmm. So like you really don't even have to do legwork. You just punch in some dates and then, yeah. You know, and so iPhone does the work for you. Yeah. And so, so going back to that, there are tons of apps I use. I really like Kindara. Um, there's one called flow. That's really good as well. The problem is, so I think the misconception is, is that we have basically there's something called the fertility awareness method and there's something called the rhythm method. 
And now the rhythm method of quote unquote birth control is basically where you're, like you said, you're putting in the dates of your period. And then based on that, your app is assuming when you're fertile and then you're just basically abstaining from sex during that time, or you're making sure you're withdrawing or whatever else you're doing to, mm -hmm. to, to basically avoid sperm contact with your eggs in that period. So that's what the rhythm method is. And now the problem with that is that not everybody, number one, not everybody has a 28 day cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and so for anyone who doesn't know, 28 day cycle is basically day one is when you start bleeding. Day one is when you start bleeding again. So that's how you you uh, track your how many days your cycle is. It's day one, you start your period. And then until you get your period again, you're counting up the days. Yeah. So normal, quote unquote, is between 28 and 34 days. So you can fall anywhere between there and still be within mm -hmm. normal. Now, what we're assuming and what should happen is on a perfect 28-day cycle, you should be ovulating in, around day 14. Because halfway through the cycle, you let out an egg. And now the first half of the cycle, your body's focused on building up a lining. And then you let out this egg. And then the second half of the cycle, your body is now maintaining that. It's you're, you're um, You predominantly have progesterone, which is like a progest hormone. So we're supporting a pregnancy if there is one. Mm -hmm. So if you aren't ovulating at day 14, say you ovulate day 16 day 17. Now yeah. the, what happens is after you let out your egg and after you've ovulated, you can't get pregnant. But mm -hmm. if you're inaccurately predicting when you're ovulating, yeah, you can get pregnant. But so, like, are you saying you can't get pregnant like 0% chance or is there still a little bit of a chance? When? When you have already let that egg out. No. When you've already ovulated, you can't get pregnant and you can't get pregnant at the beginning of the month. However, there are stipulations. Because what happens is if you are not withdrawing, if you're ejaculating inside the vaginal canal, mm -hmm. the sperm can live for a number of days. So mm. the problem is, is if you, let's say you're ovulating day 14 and then day 11, you have intercourse and there's sperm there and they kind of hang out there and they're waiting for an egg and they stay <laughs> that long, then yes, mm -hmm. there is a possibility. So you can withdraw the majority of the month and there really are not a ton of repercussions. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, is looking at, we have cervical discharge the entire month for people who don't realize if you're on the pill, you're likely not ovulating. So mm -hmm. if you're not ovulating and you haven't been ovulating for 10 years, you really probably don't know what it's like to ovulate. But if you go off of the pill and you're really just kind of keeping track of your body, there's a few things you can do. You can take your temperature and what will happen is you'll notice a small spike in temperature after you've ovulated. So looking at your temperature isn't really giving us that much information in like it's retrospective information. Mm -hmm. So if you're using it month one to try to not get pregnant, it's not a good idea because <laughs> you like too late, you already ovulated. So, <laughs> um, so it's kind of not really helpful, but it's good to give you an average of what's going on over, let's say three months period of time. Mm -hmm. So basically when you're looking at that, you can take your temperature, you can look at your cervical discharge, which is going to change throughout the month. So what you're looking for is that egg white type discharge. And so it mm -hmm. really does look like egg, it looks like raw egg white is what the discharge is. And that's your fertile mucus. So if you're pairing it with taking your temperature and you see that your temperature spiked around day 15, let's say, Mm -hmm. and you have cervical mucus and um, the, the egg white cervical mucus, and it is around day 14, 15, 16 of your cycle, then yes, you've probably ovulated. But some women who have someone like PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, may not ovulate every month and may actually ovulate at random times. So mm -hmm. those are the times where your app is not going to be helpful. So you yeah. really do need to understand your body. And there's a lot of different ways to start understanding Number one, if you ovulate and number two, when you ovulate. And it's not only important for wanting to get pregnant or avoid pregnancy, but it's also extremely important to understanding your hormone imbalances because a lot of hormonal imbalances can give you symptoms like depression, low mood, weight gain, all of these sorts of things, anxiety, um, spotting during your periods, period cramps, that sort of thing. So it's mm -hmm. really important to know, like, when are you ovulating? How long is the first half of your cycle and how long is the second half of your cycle? Okay. Wow. And so other, like when I'm also looking at the birth control pill, I'm looking at, um, it, what it depletes too. A lot of people don't realize you can just go on the internet and Google this, the birth control itself depletes 
magnesium, folic acid, B vitamins, vitamin C, zinc, and vitamin A, to name a few. And how does it, and how does it do that? You know what? I don't really know the mechanism of action. I don't know if it's maybe through metabolizing it. I know B, uh, B vitamins are required in metabolizing hormones. So mm-hmm. it could be that it's depleting it through that mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones, I don't really know. Sometimes the medications use these things. Sometimes they make um, your body excrete them more. But mm-hmm. the birth control pill actually depletes these things. And the reason I highlight it is because, first of all, we're depleting our nutrients. Mm-hmm. And nobody really knows that. Second of all, one thing that we're depleting is folic acid. And that's really important to preventing neural tube defects in babies. So if we're depleting that, think about all the people that actually get pregnant while on the pill. Oh, wow. That's a good point. And so that's why I mentioned some birth control pills actually during their placebo time actually add in a folic acid mm. just in case. But I mean, that's I was not in every pill. That, that makes mm-hmm. sense now. Mm -hmm. like folic acid like they're not trying to get pregnant it's the opposite yeah so and and because it depletes it right and if you were to get pregnant you could be in a state of depleted folic acid and you could actually be in trouble and the other thing is b vitamins are also important to um brain health neurological function so think about that paired with the already increased risk of anxiety and depression it's huge yeah that's crazy And so some other things I thought were really, really interesting. So I mentioned uh, depressed mood um, and anxiety and that sort of thing. And they found in this research I looked at that hormonal birth control use has been associated with a small but statistically significant mood side effects during that intermenstrual phase. So that PMS we talk about, um, Uh it, it has been associated or connected to the birth control pill. And women with ongoing or previous mental health issues actually had an increased risk of more mental health issues or worsened mental health issues when they went on OCP or the oral contraceptive pill. Um, The other research has shown mood swings, fatigue, lower emotion-induced reactivity in certain parts of the brain. So women weren't as reactive to certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was from a mood perspective. And then looking at it from different research, I actually found it really interesting. They looked at 12 different studies. There was over 300,000 participants, and there was a significant association between oral contraceptives and the risk of ulcerative colitis, which is inflammatory bowel disease. And this risk was seen as significant. Wow. So I found that really interesting. Um, Women who are at a predisposition or have a family history of autoimmune disease maybe you should think twice before deciding to go on hormones because it can increase the risk of something like ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune digestive disease. Scary. Yeah. And, and the fact that um, digestion is very, very interrelated to hormone balance. So hormones are processed through the bowel and through the liver. So if our, if one system isn't working well, then we're not getting rid of our hormones or processing like we should. Mm-hmm. Um, They also found the risk of cervical cancer is slightly increased in women who have used oral contraceptives for more than five years. Um, This this risk decreased to baseline 10 years after stopping. So they were unsure if this risk was due to the fact that, so for example, if somebody's on hormonal contraceptives, they might be more or less likely to use like condoms. So they were saying that this could be just a function of exposure. Like they're more exposed to HPV strains because they're not using protection mm-hmm. versus somebody who was on, not on anything and used condoms kind of thing. So they didn't know if the risk was directly due to the hormones or if it was just due to behaviors related to being on oral contraceptives. Yeah. That's important to, to know. Yeah. And then it, it increases the risk of uterine cancer and breast cancer. Um, and it was found to, I found this actually really interesting, increase corneal thickness. So basically, um, that's part of your eye, right? Mm-hmm. So they found that um, ophthalmologists found that women who took the oral contraceptive pill actually had increased corneal thickness. And that's actually related to a number of conditions, including glaucoma um, and the requirement of a lot of corneal surgeries. So I actually found that interesting. And I actually don't really know the connection between the hormones and, and the corneal thickness, but I just thought that was interesting to bring up. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
And I feel like these birth control pills should have like a commercial, like everything else for, you know, it like lists the side effects for 45 minutes afterwards. And it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy that they don't because the research is definitely out there. And like I said, widely available. And even the, the minor side effects, major side effects, they're all on these pamphlets that were kind mm-hmm. of not really opening. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, it's not really our fault if we're being put on something at the age of 13, we're really just trusting that the healthcare provider is doing everything they can to do the right thing for our health. And, and you know what, they very might well be doing what's best for us in, in mm-hmm. what they know, because exactly. unfortunately 13 and prevent pregnancy, like maybe that's a very, well, that is a very effective yes, way. Yes, absolutely. So if that's and, your priority in treating or preventing pregnancy, then, then that's what you got to do. But like I said, for maybe somebody like myself who like, that isn't my priority number one anymore, might be, interesting to try to go off of it. Yeah. And I think that that's also a very, very valid point to address in that I actually had a supervisor said to, said, say this to me one time. And I thought it was really interesting that the birth control pill is a short-term plan while you're figuring it out. And that's exactly what he said. He said, the birth control pill is given to people who don't know how to properly have sex and how to prevent pregnancy. And they're figuring out their bodies. And we're trying to make sure that they aren't getting pregnant when it's unintentional and really Mm. just focusing on that education piece. And then after five years, we're off of it. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's what, that's what he kind of phrased it as. And I thought it was actually really smart. And we're one of the first generations, I think that are on now on the pill for such a long period of time. We're deciding to have kids a lot later and really things are changing with respect to finances of 20 something year olds and education of 20 something year olds. And we're really putting off childbearing till later. And, and as a result, we're taking the pill for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like if you f- I, I'm going to be 30 in a few years and that's when I'm kind of planning on having kids and yes, that's, yeah. that's not the norm or it wasn't the norm in the past. Right. So no, exactly. And then uh, another thing I found was interesting is especially with, when I was on the new ring, um, I actually had yeast infections all the time. And mm-hmm. I was told, I was told time and time again, that it was not because of my birth control. It had nothing to do with it. It was not a thing. Um, so I, I actually, well, I mean, as I remember as I, this point of your life. <laughs> yeah. And it's literally, as soon as I went off of it, have not had one since it's been, how many years has it been? Six, six years, six years I've been off of it. Yeah. And I had one every single month for the two years that I was on the new ring. So mm-hmm. tell me, tell me it's not related. Mm, I don't know, but I, I did, I did a little research on this because some women actually are prone to, to this and mm-hmm. get yeast infections and they're wondering, is it because of the pill? And I actually found a study that said, yes, it actually is. And they actually found that. So looking at the microbiome, this is our good and bad bacteria mm-hmm. and, and the vagina has its own set of microbiome. And they found that looking at women, so they looked at women on the hormonal IUD and they found that long-term the vaginal microbiome had changed in women who were on the IUD. And they also found it that candida actually increased significantly in women who were on the IUD long-term versus prior to insertion. And candida is bacteria? Sorry, yeast infection. So candida oh. is actually yeast. Yeah. Okay. So the overgrowth of candida is, is a yeast infection. So they actually found that this um, it's actually a fungus. So this yeast was actually overgrown in women who had an IUD for a long period of time. Wow. Yeah. Thing. Crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I was on the pill, um, a huge thing was that if you were on antibiotics at the same time, it would contradict the pill's efficacy. Is that, is that true or false? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And actually the pill can be impacted by a number of things. I mentioned um, digestion before. So if you're, say you're having bad, poor digestion and you're having diarrhea or you're puking or anything else, you're not absorbing that pill. So your birth control is not going to be effective. Um, Antibiotics, you're absolutely right. Um, Other things like seizure medication, sleeping pills, HIV drugs, all are contraindicated or it decreased the efficacy of the pill. Um, something like St. Saint, St. John's wort, that is a herb used a lot for mood and depression. So you very well could go to the health food store and pick up St. John, St. John's wort or mm-hmm. something that has St. John's wort in it because it's not prescription. And this is where we get into trouble with people kind of self prescribing and it's actually reducing the efficacy of their birth control pill. 
Wow. Is that the same for um, like the NuvaRing and the long-term ones? Is Does that have the same effect or is it just the pill? So with the pill, it's the di- digestion and absorption is a huge factor. So mm-hmm. the digestive part, yes. But with um, St. John's wort and things like that, a lot of the time it's the way we're metabolizing things. So St. John's wort goes through the liver and has mm-hmm. a way of metabolizing things in such a way that it impacts other medications. So you'll notice that St. John's wort is actually contraindicated in a lot of medications because of that reason. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I've seen that yeah. before. Yeah. So for people who want to come off the pill, what, like if I was to go off the pill now, how long would that take to get out of my body or out of my system and should I be worried about my fertility in the future? Yeah. And I think that's an interesting question because the good news is, is there's actually, I don't know if it's good or bad, but there's actually not a ton of research that indicates that it will impact your fertility. Um, the birth control bill came out actually in the 1950s. And so when we look at between the 50s and the 70s, we were already talking about this. The average age at first marriage for women was 23 years or, or younger. So that was, that was pretty young. And <laughs> by 2010, the average age of mothers at childbirth, taking into account all births, had risen to over 30. So we've significantly increased the time in which we're having kids. Mm-hmm. And so the return of fertility has been looked at at different times. Um, there can be a delay of one to two months in return of fertility. But within a few months, it's been shown that conception rates are similar to those of women who weren't on hormones at all. So basically it, it, there's the research doesn't suggest that it impacts your fertility and there doesn't seem to appear to be any clinically significant delay in return to fertil- uh, fertility. But again, there's no large studies and there's no really, really long-term studies. So what I look at are a few different things. So I mentioned that now the age of childbearing is long is later in life. And the age of marriage is later in life. So therefore that comes with the age of childbearing. So it is a matter of, we know that as women age, it's harder to get pregnant anyways. Mm -hmm. So there's that, right? So if we're coming off the pill when we're 35 and 20 years ago, we were coming off the pill when we were 22, there is going to be a difference in fertility, right? Yeah. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is to note that I always ask people, why did you go on the pill? Because oftentimes it's, it might be a result. Let's say, okay, let's say you went on the pill because you had a regular periods and your doctor was like, you know what? You have a regular periods, go on the pill. And then 10 years go by and you've just been on the pill. And then you go off the pill and you're having trouble getting pregnant. Now, the reason you went on the pill was because of irregular periods. Now, the reason for irregular periods oftentimes can be something like PCOS. So if you have PCOS, you're going to have problems getting pregnant. And so it could be that you went on for irregular periods and you were never diagnosed over those 10 years because mm-hmm. you were taking this pill that you had seemingly, you had pill bleeds, you didn't have periods. So yeah. you were thinking everything was good and then you wanted to get pregnant and then now you can't. So it wasn't like particularly because of the pill. But because your symptoms were kind of masked and never treated. Mm -hmm. So I find that to be more of an issue. And with the pill itself, well, we've seen all the other side effects and we're giving ourselves synthetic hormones for a number of, a number of years. And so we have to see how quickly and easily our body can quote unquote bounce back from that. So I find that when women go off the pill, um, your body's actually learning to ovulate again because it shuts off our ovulation pretty much. We're in a state of almost mimicking pregnancy so we don't let out another egg and Mm so our body doesn't know how to ovulate and if that's been going on for 10 years your ovaries can actually start to atrophy so that's actually pretty scary um so i find that some people have no issues some people can go off the pill and get pregnant the first month other people it could be because of a pre-existing imbalance it could be because the pill impacted them more it's really hard to say because we don't have enough long-term studies but i do say that I go with the watch and wait approach. So I start, if somebody goes off the pill, I might start to support deficiencies. So like I mentioned, all of those things that are depleted from the pill, I would Uh start by kind of supporting it in that way. And then from there, we just say, I I usually wait three months and say, okay, what's your period look like this month? Some people don't get a period for three months. Other people will, will resume right away and get a period the first month. Um, Other people will get a period for three months. And then after that, 
they don't get a period for like 60 days. So it really depends on what your situation was before and how your body tolerated it and what else might be going on. And I think those factors are going to be huge in figuring out what else is, what else is going on and what's going to happen with respect to how easy or how difficult it's going to be to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. I've had friends who have take have gone off the pill and they kind of expect to have that like, you know, rest period where their body kind of gets off of it and they end up getting pregnant right away. Mm-hmm. So it just, I think you know, it just completely depends right on what, what was going on there before. Yeah. But- completely individual. And that's the hard thing, right? Because again, if you're not taking, like, say you weren't taking your pill all the time as, mm. as you should be, you could have been ovulating throughout your pill time. So it's really not difficult for your body to get back into ovulating, right? Yeah, fair enough. That's a good point. So obviously, we both respect um, a woman's decision to be on birth control um, or be off of birth control. Um, I'm on the Nuvering, as you know, and I said before, but and I and I do plan on staying on it. Although these are really awesome tips that you're giving me, I'm gonna definitely <laughs> consider them. Yeah, I'll take a second consider them. <laughs> Well, no, but I will. But I'm in school right now, as you know. I'm a nursing student, so yep. I really can't get pregnant right now just because I would probably end up dropping out of school. Yeah. But for those who are staying on the pill, what do you? What are your recommendations for us? How can we limit the risks and symptoms of the pill? Yeah, and so I think that there is this. Um, obviously, I like to educate women and help them understand the risks that are potentially associated with being on the pill. But I think it's like any other decision, you need to be able to understand the risks. And you need to figure out for yourself personally, if the benefit cost analysis makes sense for you. And if it does, then that's something that you continue to be on. And mm-hmm. that's okay. I, I just like to know where a woman's at with her decision. And sometimes people like, again, we're so trained to be, believe we are either on the pill or we are pregnant. So I think there is that learning curve that a lot of women take unless they're suffering, like I have patients who are like, you know what, I'm depressed every single month. I am bloated. I feel disgusting. The birth control pill is not working. I'm spotting. I'm done. And they're done with it. They don't care. But there are women who are like, "Mm, it's technically fine, but I know it's not good for me. Give me a minute. So that's how I feel. Honestly, I would 100% like to be off of it, but I just don't trust. I I just don't trust myself enough. (laughs) Yeah. I have to That's be honest fair. with myself, right? Because if I'm not going to be, then I'm going to have a pregnancy, right? So yeah. for the time being, I'm just not, I'm not responsible enough to be off of it. That's fair. And I think that it, as long as you understand what your circumstances are, I think it's fine. And so when we're looking at it, we just, I just always have to know where a patient's at so that I can understand what I'm going to do, right? Mm-hmm. So again, supporting all of those depletions, like I mentioned, magnesium, the folic acid, maybe vitamin A, uh, maybe vitamin C, maybe some zinc to help support things that are, we know are being depleted would be a really, really good um, baseline. Mm-hmm. I also think adrenal support and cortisol management. Adrenals are our um, basically stress glands. They, they secrete our cortisol, which is our stress hormone. And I mentioned that the birth control pill can actually increase that. So mm-hmm. If we're already stressed, like you mentioned, you're a student in school, so it's stressful. So we need to make sure that we're addressing that. And I do that through a variety of ways, Um, depending on specifically what's going on. I might recommend specific herbs or specific nutrients to really support that process so that you don't get burnt out and you don't get sick as often and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is supporting depletions. So I mentioned that before, but there's actually specific research to vitamin B6 And so vitamin B6 um, in women who were taking the birth control pill were shown to have less side effects when they were taking B6. So vitamin B6 is really great for helping with hormone uh, metabolism. And again, we're depleting B vitamins. So that's something I would highlight to really focus on repleting. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing is reducing your risks. So I mentioned smokers shouldn't be uh, on the pill. And so if you're deciding to stay on the pill, you need to really make a conscious effort to not smoke. And Mm so you really need to be taking that into consideration. Um, And then I look at liver support because this is another, it's basically a medication, right? We're processing it through our liver. um, Mm -hmm. So we need to take that into account. And women taking the oral contraceptive pill or any hormone have shown a significant fall in the elimination rate of alcohol compared with people who aren't on the birth control pill. So 
looking at that as a factor as well, knowing that and understanding that if you are on the pill, you're actually processing alcohol slower, that can actually um, impact the amount that you can drink or how drunk you get or how quickly you get drunk and how your body needs to be supported in that way. Definitely. That's, that's so interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. And the, uh, and the last thing I would say is when we're trying to support the body optimally, what I would say is when you're doing things, I always give kind of a guide of 80, 20, the way to like eat properly and, and do things so that you can still enjoy life and live in moderation and still be doing things that are best for your body. And so when someone is doing something that we know has these negative effects, they're almost kind of swimming against a, a rapid, right? So in order to make best of a, of a crappy situation, I basically say that you have to do the best with what you have. So that would mean that you're making sacrifices in having that 80-20 leniency in your diet if you're on the pill, because we know it impacts your hormones. We know it impacts your liver. We know it impacts your gut bacteria and vaginal bacteria through the increase of yeast infections. Mm -hmm. So if we already know that, we need to be making sure we have a clean diet. So we're not adding in processed foods and other more chemicals for our body to have to process, right? Sorry, my dog's pretty out of top. Um, yeah, your dog sounds mad. <laughs> He's not happy about this birth control situation. Um, He's like, get off of it. <laughs> get off it, mom. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you there. Um, but I, okay. I totally agree with you. Um, like I said, I really wish I could... It's not that I couldn't, I guess I could, but I do think that is something I'm going to have to consider this year and definitely going forward. Um, So thank you again for taking the time, Laura, to talk about this with us and cover this topic of birth control. If you guys have any questions or have any concerns, make sure you let us know and make sure to talk to professionals such as Dr. Laura here. If you have any questions about birth control. Yeah, absolutely. And make sure that you subscribe and rate and review to our podcast so we can continue to deliver these episodes. And if you have any questions, you can send them to laura at laurapiper.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.